good, church? Y'all awake? Man, I'm going to tell you what, we've had some church today. Man, the worship team has been incredible first service. Can we just give it up for them? Man, I'm going to tell you, they are here early in the morning, and man, they just lead us to the throne of Jesus every Sunday. So, so thankful uh, for them. Uh, If you were here last week, we launched and kicked off this series called Resolutions. We're real creative like that. Um, You know, I feel like every church in America is doing a resolution series. I'm just thankful it's not titled like New Year, New You, or something like that. I feel like that's way overused, but very, very simple. But here's, here's the idea and the premise and really the, the desire and heart between, uh, of our staff is that our prayer for this series is that as we're kicking off a new year, that really, as I mentioned last week, is for us to really um, both individually and as a, a campus and corporately as a church, for us this year to raise the bar to really set the standard higher uh, in our relationship with Christ so that this year we experience Jesus as a church and individually, personally, for you like never before. And and so last week, I really kind of started the message with this question. I know it's a generic question, but it's a what if 2023 was different than any other year? And I want you to think about that because uh, it really, it takes, in order for that to happen, It takes great intentionality for us to get there. As I mentioned last week, oftentimes the new year, there's nothing wrong with this. We set all these goals, whether it's our fitness or our job or our marriage or whatever the case may be, we set all these goals. And at the end of the day, God kind of takes the back burner. But what if in 2023, God was at the forefront of our minds and for us to grow and mature in him like never before? And I hope and pray that if we were to stand here a year from now and to look back at 2023 and to say, this past year was single-handedly the most important year of my entire walk with Christ. Wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, wouldn't it be awesome to say, hey, this year, because of where I wanna be in my walk with God, I'm gonna take seriously the word of God. And so I'm gonna be intentional and be very disciplined in reading scripture um, every day. That beyond just the verse of the day that we see on social media, I'm really gonna dig in. And that might mean a few verses here or there or walking through this book. You know, some of you are like, hey, I like to do the whole Bible an entire year. Some of you are like, man, that's a lot. You know, if I can just get through the book of John, whatever the pace is, but to take it seriously. What if this year, you really, were say, you really thought to yourself and made it a priority. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna spend some time just talking with Jesus like never before. That oftentimes our prayer life is just, man, I'm in trouble. I just need to kind of throw up this prayer here and there. But what if every day, even if it was for five minutes, you spent some time intentionally doing that. It takes some planning, takes some discipline. What if this year, you, you've called this place home, you've been here for a while now, and you've been sitting on the sidelines and you're ready to participate fully. And you're like, hey, you know what? It's time for me to serve. I gotta serve, I gotta get out of my comfort zone. You know, it, yeah, it could be an inconvenience. I don't know if I wanna be at church for two hours or whatever the, the excuse may be, but that this year you decided, you know what? I'm tired of just doing it for myself. I'm ready to invest into other people. Um, as you've heard, you know, in two weeks, I mean, we're starting an 845 service, praise God, but 
guess what? People's kids need to be seen and invested into. People need to be greeted. The parking lot needs to make sure it's safe. Our safety team, production. Man, we have so many things to make this place an incredible place. And this might be the year, or it should be the year, that you say, you know what? I'm going to start serving. I'm not just going to come and consume. I'm going to participate in that. But better yet, what if a year from now you look back and you said, that, number, that person who was my one, who was that person that, man, they needed Jesus. And I've been praying for him for a long time, but because you got out of your comfort zone and started to talk and have those gospel conversations and invite them to dinner, that you lead them to Christ. And that you get to see them and experience on a Sunday them getting baptized. What an incredible moment, right? But that takes great intentionality on our part. And if we want to see those priorities become a reality, we have to do something, right? You can't just sit back and say, I really wish that would happen. So for instance, last week I stood up here and I told you that this isn't spiritual at all, or maybe it is in, uh, to the nth degree, but I said, I want to lose weight in 2023. I want to get healthy, right? Now I could watch some fitness things and you know, I don't know about you. I don't know if it's the new year or what. I am inundated on social media with ways to lose weight. Have you been like that for this year? It's like, you know, lose, lose 30 pounds in 30 days or get shredded in 90 days. I'm like, I've been trying to get shredded my whole life. It's not happening in 90 days. I will tell you that right now, you know? And I'm just, I'm a firm believer that if you want a ripped body, it, you have to have that in your genetics, all right? I told First Service, I have the genetics of a pear, all right? And so I'm never going to be ripped. I could look a little bit leaner, you know, and be a little bit stronger, but I'm never gonna be ripped. I'm never gonna have a six pack, you know? Um, and so I'm jealous of any of you that have that and it just comes natural. You're like, I eat whatever I want. Shame on you, you should pray, all right? <laughs> you should pray. But, um, but anyway, if I wanna lose weight, if any of us wanna lose weight, get healthy, whatever the case may be, it takes hard work. You don't just say it and watch some videos and say, you know what, I'll eat some celery today and it just happens. Man, you gotta be disciplined. You gotta put in the work. It's hard, it's not easy, but you have to set up parameters and be disciplined. And this week, you know, I'll brag on myself, I worked out every day from Monday to Friday, okay? I was hurting and I, no, no, you don't need to do that. You're like, yeah, you are. Yeah, you do need to lose some weight, pastor. No, just kidding. But like on Thursday, I'm like, I cannot shampoo my hair right now. You know, I'm like, I'm like have you ever been like that? You're like, oh my God, I'm like walking, I'm like walking home like, like this. And, um, but it, it's hard. And the same is true in our relationship with God. That if we wanna, we wanna go somewhere, if there's a goal we want to reach, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna take some discipline. It's gonna take some action. We have to do something with it. But there's really this core deciding principle or something that drives us or should drive us in our relationship with God to, to reach that goal and to, to start growing in our intimacy. And that really starts with our why. Why do we want to grow? That is a deciding factor. Why is it important to you? Because the reality is, is that it doesn't really matter what you want to do if you don't know why you're doing it. You can do, want to do all these things, but if you don't have a why, if you don't have this core just inside of you that says this passion, this is the why, then you will fail every single time. 
And I love um, what author uh, Simon Sinek says in his book, Start With Why. He says, this is a quote, he has an entire book on this premise, really, that could be applied to a lot of different areas in our life. But he says, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And what you do simply proves what you believe. So really that there's a connection between your why that, and, and how you live that is this inner, this, this passion of why do you do what you do? And that is so true when it comes to our relationship with Christ, our resolutions, our goals to, to grow and to mature and to walk with him closer. And I would hope that every single one of us, you're here this morning because you want to grow closer to Jesus. You know that there's some things that get in the way of our walk with God that's like, hey, I want to be there. I want to be at this point. I could be better. And so this morning, we're going to look at Paul's letter to the church in Colossians. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Colossians. Um, that's in the New Testament. It's a small book. It's only four chapters. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So it's easy to miss. But let me kind of give you some context of what Paul is writing here to the church in this letter. Um, they are living, and, and really, Paul is concerned about the way they're living in such a way that the culture has creeped in and it has began to warp or skew uh, their understanding of God, or at least their walk with Christ. And the city was huge. It was a melting pot of all kind of different demographics of people. And with that, as a result, what ended up happening in the city is that there were a lot of different religious practices and superstitions. And so a lot of different temples were there. I would say it's kind of like a golden corral of religion. You, you could come and like you wanted to worship a God of wealth you could go to this temple. You want to worship a God of or fertility? Go here. You want health? You want protection? It was all these different things in different ways. And so the byproduct of that is that the culture of the day really started to affect every single person. And they really uh, decided to or began to live in a, what I would say, a Build-A-Bear theology. <laughs> what feels good looks good. I'll pick and choose what I want, and that's my faith. And so Paul is addressing the church to say, hey, that's not what you were taught. That's not what you were called. That's not how, that's not the gospel. That's not how you are supposed to live. And he says, this is not where we're going to spend our time this morning, but I just want to kind of do this to catapult us to where we're going. In chapter 2, verse 6, Paul says this, he says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, be rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And so we have this incredible passage, really the thesis of this entire letter that Paul's like, hey, it, as you received Christ as a believer, you need to walk in him. You need to be rooted in him. You need to grow in him. And really, if you were to think about this in a layman's term kind of perspective, as the people there were reverting back, he's saying, hey, have you given your life to Christ? Have you surrendered to Jesus? Do you say that you're a Christian? If so, act like it. That's what he's saying. Act like it. 
act like you know what you were taught and be firm in the faith, do things with thanksgiving, but be rooted and built up in him and walk in him, that Jesus is the core of everything. So he's reminding them in this letter um, to do that. And really, they were at a place that it, what, the, what the, uh, the church was doing is they were living with like a one, one foot in and one foot out. They were like, okay, we know this. They were smart enough and disciplined enough. They weren't gonna worship the pagan gods. And so they were worshiping Jesus with half of their life, but they kind of liked life before Jesus. So they kind of had one foot over there as well, one foot in, one foot out to say, okay, we'll, we'll go to church. We'll do all those things. We love and we'll worship God but we still like the way that we did life before we gave our life to Christ. And so in, the, in chapter three, Paul hits on this and really addresses this issue that I think even you and I face this issue to be authentic, to be real, to be committed. So let's read chapter three, verses uh, one through 11, and they'll be on the screen and you can follow along as well. Paul says this, "'If then you have been raised with Christ,' Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And in these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Let's stop right there for a second. Now, hopefully you see this, but as Paul is addressing this behavior, and he's, he's really addressing it with the issue of identity. If you notice, he starts with chapter three in this letter. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ. It's an identity issue. And we see this comparison and contrasting of an old self and a new self. And he says, your old self has died. And that's because when we give our life to Christ, we're a new creation. Our lives are changed and transformed and we're given a new identity. And so he's saying, hey, because you've been raised in Christ, you have died, your old self has died, he says in verse three, and your life is hidden with Christ in God, that you have this new identity. And the truth is, is that if your identity in Christ hasn't changed, your desires for Christ won't either. Now think about this. I think many of us can be guilty of expecting non-Christians to act like Christians. Are you with me? Like, oh, I can't believe they do that. 
Well, they're not a Christian. And so we can't expect that. But here's what we can do. We can expect Christians to act like Christians. And the reality is that many people don't go to church or therefore don't believe in God because Christians don't act like Christians. They act like non-Christians. So there isn't a difference. There isn't something that sets them apart. And so Paul is saying, hey, you're set apart. Why? Because you have a new identity. You have been changed. The old self has died. So if you're taking notes this morning, the first thing that we see, it's super simple, that if we want to grow and walk in Christ, we have to put off the old self. We have to put off the old self. He's addressing them saying, hey, you're living like you lived before Jesus. Why are you doing that? You need to put those things off. And I love what Paul also says in 2 Corinthians, I just mentioned it. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So there's a, this identity change for us as believers to put off the old self. But here's the tension. And I feel like I've said this like five weeks in a row and it's biblical, but we have a sin problem. We have a sin problem. Every single one of us, you and me, our nature is to sin. It's easy. It's easy for us to sin. We don't have to work at it. My kids do not have to work at sinning. You and I do not, <clears throat> excuse me, have to work at sinning. It's part of our nature. And while it, it, we have a sin problem from our nature, we also have a problem with sin. And here's the problem with sin. It's enticing. And it's, isn't this strange that in our hearts, deep down, we know sin is wrong but we end up being tempted with it. And it's this vicious cycle that says, hey, it feels good for the moment, but deep down, I know I'm not satisfied. So let me, let me turn away from it. And we walk away from it for a minute. That's like, you know what? You know what? Let's go back here. Feels good for a second. Oh, you know what? This is really bad. And it's just a vicious cycle of drawing us in. And it's a problem that we all face. And so what ends up happening is our lives are empty. They're not satisfied. They're not peace-filled. They're, they're problematic. They're stressful. All of these different things. And so Paul is telling the church, put those things off. And it's not a very exhaustive list, but I feel like Paul does a great job wrapping every sin in a, a few short lines. And he says, hey, this is the problem that you have but do, do not do that because that's your old self and it's old practices. You need to put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Once again, identity. Do you know or is your identity rooted in who God created you to be? Is it rooted in the creator? Because for many of us, our, our, our identity is what we do, what we have, even in the good things. I'm a husband, I'm a father, all of these different things. But our identity must be rooted in Jesus. And that's what he is talking about right here. And here's the beauty and the joy that you and I get that the early believers had as well that we take for granted so often, especially, I'm just gonna be real, in the Baptist church, we don't talk about this enough. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when you give your life to Christ, the role, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to expose sin in your life, 
to bring it to the forefront of your heart to say, that is not okay living. That's not okay to practice. That is not honoring to me. Now, as the Holy Spirit does that, you and I, he, he empowers us, but you and I have the responsibility to respond to that. We can either tell the Holy Spirit, thanks for reminding me of that, but I'm good, and I'm going to continue to live this way and live with this sin, or thank you very much, that is not okay, and I need to do something about it. And I need to confess, ask for forgiveness, and repent and turn away from that sin. I would be as bold as to say, and it will be offensive, but the gospel is offensive. If you consider yourself a believer and you are habitually living in sin and you are not convicted or never have a passion to change that, the Holy Spirit does not live inside of you and therefore I would go as far as to say, you are not a believer. And you might be saying, that's really harsh. It's biblical. As the Holy Spirit is in us, it shows us that's wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. You need to do something about it. Now, what I'm not saying is that we live a life that doesn't have any sin. We have sin in our lives. My wife is the most sinful person I've ever met. <laughs> She's serving in kids. That's why I can say that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I swear, if you repeat any of that, I no, just kidding. But think about it. We're all sinful. We're sinners married to sinners who have sinners, who work with sinners. We're gonna have sin in our lives. But the difference is for a believer, you should recognize sin and say, I'm not okay with that. And I need to do whatever I can to change it. I need to do whatever I can to, to change this behavior because that is the old self. I wanna put those things off. And then Paul says this, he says, put on the new self, We'll see this in, starting in verse 12. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, identity, okay? God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. You know what's so interesting with those words? They're rooted in not being selfish. Being compassionate, being kind, being humble, being meek, being patient is saying, you know what? It's not about me. So instead of saying, I like the things I like to do and to live in this one foot in, one foot out type lifestyle, Paul's saying, put on things as God's chosen one, your identity, holy, beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called, once again, identity, in which you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Man, so we see this identity once again to put, on, put off the old self and put on the new self. Now, let me be clear on a couple things. 
When we give our life to Christ, our identity changes immediately. Who, who God sees us as is covered by the blood of Christ, amen? And so we're seen as new creations. However, our behavior and the way that we act, it's an ongoing process. And some, it takes longer than others. But that process is known as sanctification. And if you think about this, Christ's purpose is less about our selfish destination and more about our sanctification. Meaning this, that where you want to go in the next year or two years or five years, Jesus is more concerned or less concerned about that and more concerned about each and every day, the baby steps that you take to be more like him, to be holy, to be sanctified. That is our meaning, that's our purpose in life, to be more like Christ. And so he is the source. And so that's why our identity is so huge as God's chosen ones. It is without him, those behaviors do not change. And so as I was mentioning that with the Holy Spirit, we also see, and scripture is very clear, that as the, um, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, exposes the sin, it also empowers and implants these incredible things known as the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, that those things begin to mark our lives. Those are attributes of a new life, attributes of a regenerated heart. And so those things are the new self. And Paul is saying, hey, all of these things, whether it's kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, forgiving one another, loving one another, having harmony and unity, forgive one another, all of these things you are experiencing out of your identity change because Jesus is the source of that change. So put on those things. Be marked by those things as a believer. Now, as I wrap this up, I think this is super practical, and Paul gives some, what I think is some easy insight as to how do we do that? How do you and I practically put on the new self? Sounds, sounds easy, harder in principle, amen? That it's hard to do that. Here's what Paul says. The first thing he says in verse 16, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How many of you would say, you don't need to raise your hand, that the word of Christ dwells in you richly? Man, that's a convicting statement. There's times when I'm, like, I'm just tired, I forgot to do that. Man, it's hard to wake up and do that. It's hard to put it into practice. But Paul is saying, you want to consistently and be disciplined in new life? Read your word. Read the word. Be in scripture. Read scripture. Be in God's word and let it dwell in you. Memorize it. Think about it. Go beyond just the little verse of the day type thing. Really dig in. What are you learning? Then he says, not only do we need to be in God's word, he says, also teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So really he's saying teaching, be taught and learn together God's word. So you're together and whether it's this environment or a small group, it's important for us to have this community together. There's something, or at least I hope, <laughs> or else you wouldn't be here. There's something special about Sunday mornings that when you come, you leave this place recharged, refocused, re-inspired. Say, you know what? That was true. I need to do that. 
And as we're doing that together, we, we inspire one another. I, I love the word admonishing one another. It's like, hey, wow, I admonish you, <laughs> you know? That there's something special that we learn from each other and say, there's some wisdom there. I'm learning from that person, from that person, that the, the importance of small group is so uh, unbelievable in that moment. And then he says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So worship is another way for us to practically tap into this new life, that as we're worshiping, we're reminded of, that's what Jesus has done for me, and this is how I need to live. And verse 17 sums it all up when he says, whatever you do in word or deed, whatever you speak that comes out of your mouth or the life that you live, your actions, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through him. Man, this is our why. So here's how I wanna close with this statement and question. Our lives are created to glorify God. And the question is, does yours? Does your life glorify God? Man, what an incredible question to wake up every day, thinking about, go to bed, thinking about when you're at your job, when you're parenting your kids, when you're in an argument with your wife, when you're stressed about a situation, to think, is my life right here in this moment glorifying Jesus? Or am I living and leaning towards the old self because it's easy? Or are we gonna put in the hard work, set the parameters, have accountability and say, you know what? I wanna live for Jesus and I want my life and everything I do to be in the name of the Father. I wanna glorify him that way. Let's pray this morning. Father, I know that's a big statement for us to glorify you. It's exactly what you created us to do. And as we start this journey of a new year, Father, I think every single one of us would be honest to say there are things in our life, in our walk with you that need to be better. That maybe it's just a routine to come to church and pray here and worship and we enjoy it, but beyond this hour that we have, we're not digging into your word. We're not talking to you. We're not in a small group. We're not serving. And God, if we're really honest, there are areas in our life where we are we have one foot into the old self. And so first I pray for the believer that's just in that limbo, struggling back and forth. God, I pray that this year is the year that they jump all in to following you. That this newness that you have given us, this new identity would shape and determine the way that we live our lives, the desires of our hearts. And that your Holy Spirit would empower us to do that. But I also pray for the person that's here this morning that they're here and, and they're just wrestling right now, right where they are. You are speaking to them and they know they have never given their life to you. And they have struggled and struggled and struggled that today would be the day that they would be raised in Christ. That they, their identity would become a new creation and the old has become gone. So God, let today be that day. Let them call out to you, talk to you. Maybe be bold to come and talk to me after service or down front during this closing song. But God, 
for each and every one of us. Let this be a response for us to give you everything. You can have it all. This year, we will no longer hold anything back, but be obedient to who you are, what you call us to, just to give and surrender everything to you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Let's respond to Jesus this morning through song.